0: our teaching in the gospel of John. Now, the last time we left off in chapter one, we were dealing with the witness of John the Baptist concerning Jesus and the questioning of him by the delegation that was sent from Jerusalem. That is, there was a delegation of the priest and other people involving the Sanhedrin who came from Jerusalem to ask John whether or not he was the Messiah simply because John was attracting such great crowds and John's name, of course, had began to really spread and people were talking about John. So they questioned John on his person and John just simply denied primarily he was not the Messiah. So they began to ask him, were you some other great person that we should look forward to, namely Elijah or one of the great prophets or someone of that nature. And John just simply said, I am not either one. I'm neither the Christ. I'm neither the Messiah. I'm neither the prophet. And we also talked about those three particular uh, individual persons uh, last week, as how the Jewish people at that time, that is, first century Jews at that time, thought of the Christ or the Prophet, and what respect they were considering Elijah. That is, Elijah was to come back. But nevertheless, these were three three great persons, and John just simply said. I'm neither one, but he identified himself as the one who was spoken of in the scriptures, namely Isaiah, as well as Malachi, we can see John in. But one spoken of in the scriptures who would come before the Messiah to prepare a people for the Messiah that once John the Baptist's job, once John should identify the Messiah, the people should turn to him in faith and believe in him for their salvation and that the scriptures might be fulfilled, the Messiah of God has come, that woman was spoken of by the prophets. But anyway, John's function, point out the Messiah, and that John did because John began to continue to tell them that, that is, tell that delegation, the Messiah was present amongst them at that time, and he spoke of the greatness of the Messiah, that is, remember we talked about the thongs of his shoe, and even his pre-existence, the Messiah is great, and that God had given him a revelation that once he saw John the Baptist, the spirit of the Lord take the form of a dove, descend and remain, that one was the Messiah. And he saw that at the baptism of, of Jesus and John is that particular segment says this he saw and thus this he witnesses and that's an important too, to bear witness that is that is an important theme that we will see as a sub theme recurring in the book of John sub theme underneath John's primary theme Jesus is the Messiah the Son of God a divine being And remember the last time we stopped off, we also identified the title referenced Son of God. Go back, if you have not looked at the previous video, it is important to understand this, Son of God title does not mean a lesser being than God. It is simply a title that is used to distinguish the second person of the Godhead from the first person of the Godhead to distinguish the father from the son. He is no less than the father. He is equal with the father. And even Jewish thinking of that time understood the son to be equal with the father. And this is what they referenced Jesus, son of God. So whenever you see that, it is a reference to the divine nature and person of Jesus. Okay. Not limited, same, equal as one with the father. So that title is important. So John ends with that pointing out saying the son of God. Once again, every time we see this, it speaks back to, it becomes the proof of John's intent in his gospel. Jesus is God. God made man, God dwelling with us. Okay, so that's important with all of that. Now, let's continue on with the next section. And what we're now going to see is the callings and some of the first converts to Jesus. Verse 35, again, the next day, John was standing with two of his disciples and he looked at Jesus as he walked and said, Behold the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him speak, and they followed Jesus. Okay, so now in this next section, once again, this is the following day, and John, the apostle, the writer of this gospel, has chosen to give us a chronological order of the events. So as he talked about Jesus with those of that Sanhedrin delegation, the point that we just covered, We now move to the following day and John sees Jesus passing by once again. And again, he references Jesus as the Lamb of God. Okay, I can't get into great detail on that. We already discussed it in the previous video concerning the Lamb of God and all that it intimates concerning that sacrificial language as well sacrificial language as that is, even so much as referring back to Exodus chapter 12, the lamb, the blood of the lamb that allows death to pass over. It provides salvation and deliverance. All the way back from that particular idea that we see in the Exodus of Moses, those principles, okay? But the lamb of God, check that video out if you haven't read it, checked it out already. The lamb of God He references him again that double reference with respect to sacrifice and salvation and also as one who is Messiah. So John here is depicted once again in the performance of his job, his duties to the which God called him to point out the Messiah so that others would follow after the Messiah and believe in him. John is doing so now as he is accompanied by two of his disciples. And so, behold the Lamb of God. So those two disciples heard him and did what was the expectation of God the Father. Once John points them out, follow that one who is Jesus of Nazareth, okay? Follow that one, believe in him as your Savior and Messiah. So those two disciples began follow Jesus. So John is functioning in his God given capacity. And these two disciples are now two disciples of John are now leaving John. They're leaving John and beginning to follow Jesus. And this is exactly what those two disciples are supposed to do. All who hear John, This is exactly what they are supposed to do. And later on, you'll see what John will say. He must increase, but it is necessary. I must decrease. John's ministry is fading as Jesus's ministry is now growing because that is the divine will of God. You've done your job, John. Good. Okay, and John will complete and finish his job to the point of death, but we're not there yet. Verse 38, and Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, what do you seek? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, come and see, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying and they stayed with him that day for it was about the 10th hour. Okay, now this part can somewhat be confusing if you don't understand the Jewish idioms of the first century Jews at that particular time, okay? Especially as it pertains, and what is our context? As it pertains to a rabbi, Jesus, and his disciples, okay? So what do we have? The two disciples have turned and began to follow Jesus. And as they are following after Jesus, Jesus turns around and says to them, What do you seek? The right to understand it properly is this when you in that day and time, all right, first century Jews, to for a disciple, a, a one to follow after a rabbi, that is Jesus. These are the two disciples following after Jesus, for a disciple to follow after the rabbi. You would simply, as the rabbi is walking, you would walk a little bit behind the rabbi, just enough to get his attention that you are following behind him. And this was to signal from the disciples to the rabbi, you are interested in becoming his disciples. So these two disciples of John the Baptist are following a little bit behind Jesus to signal to Jesus, Rabbi Jesus, we want to become your disciples. Now, it is at that point that the rabbi could either ignore you. If the rabbi ignored them, it just simply says He doesn't want them to be his disciples or maybe even he wasn't even taking on any further disciples at that time. But it's basically, in a sense, rejection, not in a really negative, but just simply he's not accepting them as disciples if he did not speak to them. But if the rabbi turned and asked them, what do you seek? He is opening up the invitation unto them to become his disciples. So he's opening up the lines of communications. That's why we see Jesus turn around and say, what do you seek? And then the disciple is to answer to the rabbi, rabbi, where are you staying? So this is the opening up of the invitation from Jesus to those disciples, where what do you seek? And, the, and the, the disciples say, where are you staying? Making their intentions known and clear to Jesus. We want to be your disciples. Then at that point, it is up to the rabbi, Jesus, to either accept them or just reject them. And for the rabbi to accept them, he would simply say, Come and see. So what we have in this particular instance of context is the the disciples from John following closely behind Jesus. And then they are seeking to become disciples of Jesus. But Jesus has to acknowledge them following him that their desire to be his disciples by simply asking, what do you seek? And finally, Jesus would answer, come and see." That is the invitation of the first century rabbi to accept a disciple. So all of, all I was saying is this without rehearsing over. These words are simply the mannerism in which a rabbi would accept disciples and those disciples would seek to be accepted by a new rabbi. So Jesus here accepts his first two disciples from John the Baptist, okay? Enough of that. So now let's get into verse, oh, oh, and then it says it was at that time they began to follow Jesus and they remained with Jesus that day. And it was about Roman time, the 10th hour Roman time, about 10 in the morning, 10 in the morning. Okay, so now let's finish. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He found first his own brother, Simon, And said to him we have found the Messiah which translated means Christ he brought him to Jesus Jesus looked at him and said you are Simon the son of John you shall be called Cephas which isn't which is translated Peter okay so now we see that of those two disciples of John the Baptist who became Uh, the first disciples of Jesus, one of them is by the name of Andrew. And this Andrew was the brother of that famous apostle that we know, Simon, also called Peter. Okay, so once Simon, once Simon has become a disciple and follower of Jesus, he is now a disciple of Jesus, he goes and alerts his brother. And you can see the energy, the excitement, And the joy that Simon has when he tells Peter. So you have to see that we have found the Messiah. And again, you have to understand the Messiah is the one spoken of by Moses in the law. Remember the Deuteronomy 18, passage 18 and 15, as well as the the Jewish prophets of the Old Testament almost all of the prophets in some way or another spoke of the the Messiah as a person or looked to his coming kingdom and work almost all of them did in some capacity so the hope of the Jewish people was simply to look forward to the coming Messiah and they had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years looking for this coming one Christos that's the Greek word for Messiah Mashiach Hebrew word for Messiah the coming one they look for him for a long time and now all of a sudden what there is John the Baptist and they believe in John they believe in his ministry. Who has now pointed out Jesus of Nazareth is the Messiah? And they begin to believe it, and they and he's welcomed them to follow him with great excitement. Andrew runs and finds his brother Peter, 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 or should we even say not Peter Peter, but Shimon. Simon. Simon, Shimon, that's his Hebrew name. We found the Messiah. I cannot believe it. And this is the atmosphere of excitement that he has when he tells Peter they found the Messiah. Okay? And then it, which means the Christ, that is Christos. We've talked about that. Christos. And so what happens? Andrew brings Peter to Jesus, and when Jesus looks at Peter, He renames Peter. He says, you are Simon, Shimon, which Hebrew, I believe it means to be heard. Son of John. And Jesus changed his name to Cephas or Cephas as in the Greek. But Cephas is fine. It's the same idea, which means stone. Now this is the Arabic name and it is translated in Greek as Petros, which we translate in English, Peter. So Shimon, Cephas, and Peter, same individual. Shimon, I'm sorry, I'm I'm keep giving the Hebrew pronunciation, but Simon. Simon. Simon is the Hebrew name. Cephas is the Aramaic name. And Peter is the Greek name. Same person. Simon, Simon, Peter, okay? But Jesus changes his name. Now, this speaks, this is an inference to the part that Peter would play. But speaking of the rock, Jesus is not calling Peter the great rock. Peter is here being called a little rock or a little stone, all right? But Jesus is inferring here to the part that Peter would play amongst his brethren even especially his Jewish brethren. That is, Peter would be a rock, a stone, a foundation, a strength for his brothers. And we can even see that because we know we're gonna get a little premature right now. Once Peter will deny him, even before that, Jesus will speak of Peter's future denying of him. Before the rooster should crow, you will deny me Three times you deny three times that you even know me. But Jesus continued to say, "But once you have returned, that is, repented of what you have done, your rest, your relationship has been restored with God because of this great failure. Strengthen your brothers, and we can even see this part Peter plays of being a strength and a foundation throughout the New Testament." In the book of Acts, as Peter plays a leading role in the book of Acts, so I just simply said all of that. As Jesus here changes his Peter's name, there is an inference to the future role that Peter would play as a foundation strength amongst the disciples. Okay, so he gives him the new name Petros or Peter, namely rock. All right. Let's go a little further. 43. The next day he purposed to go into Galilee and he found Philip. And Jesus said to him, follow me. Now, Philip was from Bethsaida of the city of Andrew And Peter. Now let's just simply stop there. We're gonna lay it down. So now we're dealing with Jesus and we're seeing his ministry as he prepares, as John is giving John the apostle, is giving to us in his gospel as he prepares, in a sense, of the collection of his disciples, of his first disciples, and in preparation for his evangelistic ministry. And we see Jesus in Galilee. That is important because Jesus' first ministry, he even went to reside in Galilee, right? In Nazareth of Galilee, which is in the north of Judea, right? So he is there and it is important to understand about Galilee and Nazareth. We'll talk about that as we move through the text, right? But nevertheless, this is important to understand Jesus's first center of ministry. Right. So he is in Galilee. And what happened? He is passing by. He finds Philip. Now, notice here, Jesus himself finds Philip and Jesus calls Philip. And this is what he means when he simply says to follow me. That is it. There is an insinuation not simply to follow Jesus on a temporary basis, but to follow Jesus in the permanent sense of being a disciple. The same thing that we began to see dealing with what? Andrew and Peter. It is the following Jesus in the permanent sense as a disciple in his in his ministry to see of him, see things concerning him to be a firsthand witness of him. Okay, but anyway, so this is what he says unto Philip, follow me, and it just simply says, Philip was from Bethsaida, this is north of the Sea of Galilee, a same city to the which Andrew and Peter belonged. 45, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, We have found him of whom Moses in the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, son of Joseph. Nathaniel said to him, can any good thing come out of Nazareth? Philip said to him, come and see. Okay, so now we see what the same energy that Andrew had in finding the Messiah that he had when he told his brother Peter, we see this same energy and excitement of finding the Messiah that Philip has when he tells his brother Nathaniel, I'm sorry, when he tells Nathaniel, but there is a a, 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 a disappointment in the sense in Nathaniel when Philip comes to bring him such good news. Naturally, to hear that the Messiah has been found should bring great joy. But once Philip came to tell Nathaniel of the Messiah, Nathaniel kind of brushed it off a little bit and this and the reason for this brushing off was, Jesus was from Nazareth. So let's go back into the verse. I don't want to go too far in the explanation without doing proper exegesis of the verses. So what happens? He says what? This is Philip. We have found the one that Moses in the law and the prophets. That's just what I told you. Remember, the Messiah was spoken of by Moses, that Deuteronomy 18 passage, Deuteronomy 18 passage. And all of the prophets in some way spoke of the coming Messiah, his person and his work and the kingdom that he would establish in some way or another. And so with great excitement, he says, as we would simply say, our Old Testament, we found we found the one that the Old Testament spoke of. And then Philip identifies him exactly. Jesus of Jesus, who comes from Nazareth from the family of Joseph. So he identifies him. And the whole issue that gets uh, Nathaniel's goat, if you'll let me say it that way, Jesus of Nazareth. Why? Nazareth is in Galilee. There was always considered to be nothing that would come out of Galilee concerning uh, greatness uh, 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 no great schools, shivas no, school, no great schools, no or, great or, schools or, or intellectual thought. You know, Galilee was considered a nothing. Nazareth expressly was considered a nothing city. Nothing, nothing special about Nazareth at all. And so this was the reply of Nathaniel. What good thing can come out of Nazareth? Nazareth is nothing. But let me pause, let me pause right here to once again show you one of the divine principles of how God himself does things. We see that in the writings of Paul when Paul talks about the salvation and I don't wanna get too deeply in that. Oh my God, because it'll run deep. The salvation and the election of God amongst the Corinthians. And Paul said in 1 Corinthians, Look, because they had an issue with pride. That's why you always hear the Bible and you'll always hear me hammer at pride. We have pride. All of us do. God hates pride. Why? You've heard me, you've heard me say it again in my teachings a million times. Salvation is of God alone. Glory to God alone so what do we see back to the first corinthian concept paul said look amongst you how god not many mighty are amongst you not many noble men are amongst you but how god have chosen the the weak things and god have chosen the things that are nothing that god could uh, bring to nothing to shame the big things, the glorious things. Why Paul said so that no flesh should glory in God's presence. Why salvation belongs to God alone, glory to God alone. He takes from the little things he takes from the nothing things. Look at Jesus, even though he is God made man, where was he born? He was not born in the palaces. Where did uh, uh, the, 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 we call them the, the wise men who came from the east, that's fine. But where did the wise men, so called the Magoi, as the Bible calls them, they went to the palaces, the palaces of Herod to find the king. The king, God's son was not found in the palace. He was found in a what? In a lowly place. What was he dressed in? He was not dressed in the garbs of princess. He was not dressed in the garbs of kings when they found him. They found him dressed in swaddling clothing. And I don't have time to go through all of that, but those very swaddling clothing were nothing more than the wraps that they used to wrap bodies when they buried him. He was in the family, not in the family of great people, but he was born in the family of Joseph, a poor carpenter of nothing. God always uses the nothing to bring to nothing the things that are, the things that are mighty and those who think they are something. What did Paul say? For if you think of yourself to be something when you are nothing, you have just deceived yourself. The very principle of God is to use and take from the nothing and make it great. Make it great. So what do we see here? And I'm coming all the way down. He chose Jesus to be born in small nothing veal so that the greatest thing, the greatest one to ever walk the planet, the very savior of the earth would come from some little small town. You ain't never heard of or from some place. You think that ain't even worth your time. So (laughs) what Nathaniel says, ain't nothing coming out of Nazareth. (laughs) But all he had no idea, the Messiah, the king of the universe comes from nothing. But anyway, enough of that. So he says, can he, anything come from Nazareth? Philip replies, come and see. Again, you cannot even miss that idea of what? Come and see. Even though it is not Jesus saying it at this time, but you can still see the inference of discipleship. Not just come and see what we've talking about and come and see Jesus, but even come and be his disciples. This is the Messiah, okay? And let's continue with Nathaniel in his doubts on whether or not God can bring about a wonderful thing out of a nothing place. All right So what? All right, 47, Jesus saw Nathaniel coming to him and said to him, "Behold an Israelite indeed in whom there is no deceit." Nathaniel said to him, "How do you know me?" Jesus answered and said to him, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. Nathanael answered him, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Now let's deal with that because that's a lot to unpack here. So now Nathanael is on his way. You know, Philip is bringing Nathanael to see Jesus and Jesus begins to behold Nathaniel to see him before Nathaniel begins to interact with. Him. So he looks at him and see him coming, right? And so he says to Nathaniel, he says, behold, he said, indeed you are an Israelite in whom there is no guile. Now there are two things to be stated about it. So I'm going to try not to get excited so I can explain it. An Israelite in whom there is no deceit. That is, if we were to say it in our vernacular today, this is an Israelite who tells you just like it is. He tells you exactly what is on his mind. He doesn't sugarcoat it and he doesn't try to fake you out as to, to speak one thing, but in reality, he's thinking something different. He is an Israelite without hypocrisy. And notice this relates back to what? When Philip came to his brother, Nathaniel, talking about we found the Messiah, what did Nathaniel do? He didn't even try to pretend. He said, man, ain't nothing good coming out of Nazareth. So Jesus begins to let him know, I am aware of who you are. I am aware of what you said outside of my presence, even as you you were saying these things to Philip. Okay, so Jesus makes him, makes, lets him know he is aware of his person and what he has done already. But let's continue on. So once he does these things, so Nathaniel is shocked. He said, hmm, okay, well, how in the world, Jesus, do you know me? And then Jesus said to him, here's important. Even before, that's important, guys, before. Philip called you that is before Philip ever came and told you about me when you were under the fig tree Jesus tells him his exact location that when Philip came to tell him we found a messiah you were sitting under the fig tree but even before Philip came I knew certain things of you I saw you or we can even say I know you so Jesus lets him know He knew where he was and he is going to intimate. He knew what he was thinking, but not right now. I was looking at you. So this is absolutely astonishing. How can a mere man know me, know where I was and be aware of my interaction with another man and he wasn't there? And so remember the whole idea is, we found the Messiah. Okay, that's the whole idea. So now, Nathaniel be- becomes a believer. Remember, he had great doubt. Can anything good come out of Nazareth? Not out of that, broke downtown. And now he becomes an excited believer. And notice what he says. He says unto Jesus, once Jesus says, I saw you, and I saw you under the fig tree. I know what kind of man that you are. I know the interaction that you had with Philip. Nathaniel is now excited and he says, Rabbi, that is to say, teacher, but notice what he says to him. He gives him two references. He says, What? You are the Son of God. In other words, no mere man could know what you know, only God can know what you know. And remember what we were saying earlier in the introduction to this teacher concerning even last lessons son of god is a reference to the divine person here nathaniel is calling jesus god son of god to identify the second person you are god son of god so he is excited and calls him god why no man can know what you are thinking like that no man could know who you really are. I saw you. No man can know these things. No man could see the interaction that you are having with another individual and don't even be there. You are the son of God. And remember, that is again, what? The whole idea of John's gospel. Who is this Jesus? In the beginning was what? The word, word was with God. What? Word was God. And what happened to that word? Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Who? Jesus. He is God. So what do we have here? And I'm calming down. Once again, John giving forth that evidence to his gospel, the very principle that he is trying to set forth. Jesus is God and he's bringing that witness out of the mouth of God of Nathaniel. Nathaniel declares him to be what again? God. That's the point of John, John, the apostles gospel all throughout his text. And then he gives him the second reference, the King of Israel. That is by saying the King of Israel, the Messiah, all of these things are saying the same thing. King of Israel, Messiah, Christ same thing you are the Messiah the one spoken of law and the prophets the one we have been waiting on so notice what Nathaniel says to him you are both God and Messiah Messiah God and man and always remember the function of the Messiah is carried out in a person of a man that is he has to have flesh okay he comes into this world in flesh One who comes from the family of David, the seed of David, who will ultimately sit on the throne of David, the Messiah. And that Messiah is God, son of God. So the two references that Nathaniel gives him is God and man, Messiah. Okay the God man. That's why we call Jesus what he calls him. All right. So now Jesus responds to Nathaniel's excited, uh, uh, exuberant statement in calling him the son of God from that mere episode. What mere episode? For Jesus to see him and says, you are indeed an Israelite in whom there is no deceit and that uh, 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 I saw you even before Philip came to you and spoke these things. He said, did this excite you? So now let's continue with the final part of chapter one. Jesus answered and said to him, because I said to you that I saw you under the fig tree, do you believe you will see greater things than these? And he said to him, truly, truly, I say to you, you will see the heavens opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Guys, you just don't know how I want to shout. I just want to shout right there. But anyway, let's, let's finish the exegesis of the verses. So Jesus looks at Nathaniel and said, really was in other words, is that all it took to get you to believe that I am son of God, that I am the Messiah? Was that simply enough? <laughs> and that's a beautiful thing. Jesus is not saying this in a negative way by saying it is like an encouragement way, almost with a little humor on it. But watch, because I saw you under the fig tree. Now, we have to go back to Jesus's reference to understand this part to Jesus' reference when he said to uh, Nathanael that he saw him under the fig tree, okay? He saw him under the fig tree. You gotta remember that. In other words, not only did I see you and know you as a man, when you were under the fig tree, there was something on your mind. You were thinking about something, and this is... Is the inference of the text right here? This is what's going on. Je- okay. Nathanael under the tree, under the fig tree. All right. Philip on his way to tell him. Nathanael under the fig tree, and he's thinking. The reference when Jesus says, he says to him concerning Nathanael, an Israelite in whom there is no guile, is taking us back to Jacob in the book of Genesis. Remember, Jacob in the book of Genesis was the uh, 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 the, the son of Isaac, and he was the cro- the crooked son. And when I made the crooked son, remember how Jacob was called the heel catcher in Genesis. I think it's in chapter 28. We deal with the birth of Jacob. Whatever, I had to go and verify that reference I just gave you. But we all know Jacob, the heel catcher. Jacob was the trickster. Jacob was called the deceiver who deceived his brother Esau out of his birthright. Y'all remember that whole issue? And now that is what Jesus is beginning to reference as he is referencing not only the person of Nathaniel. What did Jesus say about Nathaniel? An Israelite indeed who, in whom there is no deceit. Why? Because when Philip came to Nathaniel, Jesus, Nathaniel didn't bite his tongue about what he thought about uh, Nazareth, but he was also thinking in the back of his mind about Jacob, about that passage in the book of Genesis concerning Jacob and who was Jacob. Jacob before God worked out in his life of course jacob indeed was a deceiver he was a heel catcher unlike nathaniel so you have to kind of put all of that mishmash that jesus is bringing out concerning the person of nathaniel who he is not a deceiver and concerning what nathaniel was thinking about when he was sitting under the fig tree So what happened? Okay, let's go, let's go back. Let's go back. I saw you under the fig tree, right? Do you believe you will see what? Greater things than these. Now let's deal with that. Jesus saying, just because I spoke of how I saw you and indeed that was a miraculous thing. How I saw you under the fig tree, knew you and things of that nature. If we had to say it in our terminology today, we would simply say, you ain't seen nothing yet. And so Jesus is simply saying to Nathaniel, this was a little, at first a little miracle, he said, that was nothing in comparison. Once you begin to follow me, when you walk with me, Nathaniel, you ain't seen nothing. Those little words about me seeing you, knowing you, yes, it is a miracle. And it is something great and astounding to know a man's mind, to read a man's mind, to know a man's, oh, it is something great. But Nathaniel, you ain't seen nothing yet. You follow me in my ministry and guess what? Truly, truly, as you begin to follow me in the future, you will see, you will see the heavens open and angels ascending and descending. You are going to see things that I do, things concerning me like the heavens open up and the attendance of the angels of God. You gonna see stuff you ain't never seen before. You will see the eyes of the blind open. You will see the ears of the deaf open. You will see the lame and men who have never walked, walked. You will see God's glory on me. You will see God's glory in and through Mean and even so now let me bring you guys all the way back so we can close it You will see the heavens open and the angels of God ascending descending upon me the son of man Notice what happened in the story of Jacob Let's go back the one who had deceit Nathaniel in the story and Nathaniel had no deceit But in Jacob what do we see Jacob because he tricked his brother Esau Esau wanted to kill him and then his mother went to the, his father trying to keep him alive and said send him off to his parents and there to his to her brother's house her father's house okay and so Isaac sent Jacob off to Laban his brother-in-law and as Jacob was going on to his to his uncle's house Jacob's uncle's house Isaac's uh brother-in-law Rebekah Her brother, as he was on his way, he fell asleep at a certain place. And I believe that's the Genesis chapter 28 thing here. He fell asleep at a certain place, head on a rock. And Jacob had a dream. And what was going on in the dream of Jacob? He saw angels of God ascending and descending upon this giant ladder in that place jacob woke up from that place and said indeed this is the house of god bethel okay calming down what was nathaniel thinking about under the fig tree he was thinking about jacob and the instance of when he saw the text that is the text when jacob was dreaming and saw angels ascending and descending. So Jesus uses this same language about himself. Angels ascending and descending, a marvelous and a glorious thing. He uses this language to say unto Nathanael, not only did I know what you were doing, what you were thinking, I know precisely what you were thinking. Nathaniel, you were thinking about Jacob, and in the text where he was considering where what the angels of God were ascending and descending upon Jacob himself. So Jesus gave a dramatic display of divine knowledge. So you can see so, and that's when he said simply. Okay. <laughs> and all of that was to say. In the roundabout way, Jesus said to Nathanael, he is God. He was exercising divine knowledge and therefore he affirms what Jesus affirms Nathanael's statement. You are the son of God. Only God can know these things. And Jesus simply finishes it and simply says to him, you ain't seen nothing yet. Man, there are going to be some wonderful miracles and signs that only God can do, which is a purpose of John's gospel. All right. All right, guys. I knew I got way too excited, but thanks for joining me. What did we just see? Jesus calling of his first disciples and his receiving of his first disciple in preparation for his ministry. Okay, And again, what else did we see? the theme of John's gospel constantly coming out, Jesus is God. And we also saw another sub theme coming out in John's gospel, the bearing of witness to the person of Jesus, okay? All right, remember guys, once again, uh, I'm glad that you guys have joined me. And I wanna say, before I say anything further, to those who have supported this ministry financially, thank you, of course we need your support, and we ask for your continued support. So if these teachings have been a blessing to you, if they've been a blessing to your life, encouraged you, and if they have helped you on your spiritual journey of understanding the scripture, then I ask you to come alongside with me and support the ministry. We do need your support in all of these things. So enough of that. So join me guys next time as we continue in our study in the book of John, in the gospel of John, as we talk about another sub-theme of the gospel of John, which is the glory of God. Remember the last thing that Jesus said to Nathaniel, you ain't seen nothing yet. You will see glory from heaven. So we are going to get into chapter two and our next time we come together and see the glory of the son of god as jesus begins to perform some of his first miracles or even we can say his signs. but nevertheless thanks for joining me guys and we'll see you then